this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, are you ready for our first poll episode of 2023? I'm locked and loaded. I'm ready in every possible way. Excellent. So for the folks listening who may not be aware, over at Patreon, we have a tournament every month. It's like it's like March Madness, but it's monthly. It's monthly madness. <laughs> and we have 27 albums suggested by listeners, by random people that show up at our website who, you know, they they wander in off the street. They don't know what they're looking at, ask some questions and leave, and then they drop a little suggestion in their album artist maybe some some comments all those go put get put in the hopper our intern sorts through them gives us a new tournament every month 27 albums enter one album leaves and this was a this was chock full of good stuff jay i had nowhere idea where where this was going in any of these three we do three sets of nine there was a wide variety of stuff some that we've covered in in passing but not much that we've actually gotten to like real deeply only a couple so did you have any predictions where you thought this was going to go i'm trying to find the poll hold on a second Um, so like matthew i thought yeah i thought we were going to get quicksand i mean that is a favorite amongst the the patrons for sure it's mm-hmm. talked about a lot it's a it's, it's a good fit for us right to yep band that got some buzz had a couple good records built a fan base but you know it's pretty much forgotten mm-hmm. well our first round was kill holiday somewhere between right and wrong between the right and wrong or between the right is wrong nuzzles san lorenzo's blues in, in spiral carpets, devil hopping, weak, the weaker than's fallow, Turkish delight, haucha, magaucha, drive it and cryin's fly me courageous, black labs, your body above me, propagandies, how to clean everything, and the Matthew Good Band underbo- underdogs. We take two winners out of each round. For that one, it was black lab and driving and crying. For round two, that's where quicksand comes in. Quicksand slip, love batteries, confusion to go go. The wonder stuffs never loved Elvis. Letters to Cleo's wholesale meats and fish. The Y store is live at midnight. Red Lori, yellow Lori, blasting off. Mister Reality, self-titled. Lifters, Melinda, everything was beautiful and nothing hurt. And Soul Coughing's irresistible bliss. From this round, Letters to Cleo and Quicksand moved on. Then for a third round transams future world the grifters crapping you negative mega city fours soul scraper zucker baby self-titled sub rosa's never bet the devil your head 
Pale Saints, Slow Buildings, Underground Lovers, Dream It, Sidewinder, Atlantis, and Machine Translations, Holiday in Spain. For this one, we had two winners. Pale Saints, Slow Building, and Trans Am Future World. And in our final, actually, Matthew Gudban was in the first group as well. I'm sorry, I mixed that up. So we had seven in the final instead of six. So it was Trans Am, Pale Saints, Quicksand, Letters to Cleo, Driving and Crying, Black Lab, Matthew Goodband, all in the final round. And it was a tight one. Coming in last, Black Lab and Driving and Crying. Uh, second to last was Trans Am. And then it gets, this is where it gets tight. Pale Saints with 18% of the vote. Matthew Goodband with 21% of the vote. Quicksand with 24% of the vote. And Letters to Cleo, Wholesale Meats and Fish with 26% of the vote. That's what we're going to talk about, Jay. Letters to Cleo. Now, we have a history with Letters to Cleo because Kay Hanley's been on, the ep- been on the show twice. Right. She was on our Boston episode. And she was on our... Uh, Lilith Fair episode. It's about time we reviewed one of her records, right? Exactly. And uh, we both have young children that watched, uh, you know, Doc McStuffins, which uh, Kay wrote the music for. People uh, may not know that, but after, um, so let's get in a little bit of history of Letters to Cleo. They're from Boston, Massachusetts, formed in 1990. They were together until 2000. Then they broke up. Then they got together again for a year. And they've been on and off getting together, making EPs, doing a little tours here and there. But a lot of the people in this band are busy. So even though they were pretty, uh, you know, they were around a lot in the 90s in terms of, you know, like we mentioned, they were on Lilith Fair. There were lots of tours. They were on a ton of soundtracks. In fact, they have hit singles off of soundtracks um, based on covers. They had... um, uh, a song called The Dangerous, or not Dangerous Type, but that's, that's the Cars cover that was on the Craft soundtrack. And then they did covers for the 10 Things I Hate About You soundtrack, I Want You to Want Me and Cruel to Be Kind, which are um, Nick Lowe and Cheap Trick. And um, as I mentioned, Kay Hanley went on to, she made some solo r- records, but then she um, provides the vocals for Rachel Lee Cook in Josie and the Pussycats. She wrote music for Sonic uh, Heroes, a Sega game. She does Disney projects, including My Friends Tigger and Pooh, and all of the music for the show Doc McStuffins. Um, she, so that's lead singer and rhythm guitar. Um, Michael Einstein, who was her husband for a, a while, and they have two kids together, he is a touring musician and he has toured with Our Lady Peace, I guess is like second guitar, um, and Lisa Loeb. And then for a while, Stacy Jones was the drummer. He, when they broke up, he went on to form American Hi Fi. And he's been the music director and drummer for Miley Cyrus. And he's also played with this is a list Madonna, Matchbox 20. Vruk Assault, Avril Lavigne, Ariana Grande, Joan Jett, the Jonas Brothers, the Flaming Lips, Billy Ray Cyrus, 
Cheryl oh Crow. You're just making up names at this point. Butch Walker, Amy Mann, Lily Allen, Against Me. Uh, he's 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 busy. The dude's busy. He's always on tour. Scott Re- uh, Reebling was the original bassist in the, or one of the bassists in the 90s. They actually had a couple of bassists in the 90s. Um, he also, he does production work. He's done production work for the Von Bondies, Cobra Starship, and Fallout Boy. And then uh, the other members, as far as like getting together now, so you have Stacey Jones, Michael Einstein, Kay Hanley. Uh, Greg McKenna plays lead guitar and has backing, plays backing vocals. He's been, he was, he's original to the band. And uh, current bass player is Joe Klompas. Uh, before, so they've been through four bass. This is their fourth bass player and third drummer. So the rhythm section has not been consistent right. with this band. And again, they were like in the 90s. I mean, it was 10 years. Uh, so that's, I think, all, I think three drummers in the 90s or four drummers. Yes. Tom Pulse was the drummer for a year. Jason Sutter was the drummer for a couple of years. Abe Labriel Jr. was the drummer for a couple of years. I guess that drummer seat's just not meant to be. Spinal tapish. Yeah, it's very spinal tapish. And then, of course, if you watched Parks and Rec in season four, there's an episode called The Comeback Kid, where Ben Wyatt, played by um, Adam Scott, is wearing a Letters to Cleo shirt. and in the sixth season, they the band reunites to play a fictional concert in Pawnee. And that led to an increase in t-shirt sales, including myself buying one, which I forgot to wear. Because should have thought about it. Jay, were you familiar with Letters to Cleo before we got into this? Yeah, I knew the, uh, was the record before this? Yeah, so the record before this is Aurora Gorealis. That's the one that has Here and Now, the single Here and Now, which is probably the biggest single that went to um, number 10 on the U.S. alternative charts, number 56 on the Billboard Hot 100, number 40 in the top 40 mainstream. Uh, So it charted well here in the States. And then this is their Wholesale Meats and Fish is their second album that came out in 1985. Go is the fourth and final album from the band that was released in 97. And then they released two EPs. Back to Nebraska came out in 2016. OK Christmas came out in 2019. And then there's a compilation album called Sister, which has uh, some originals that were um, older songs like demos and stuff. And then there's some covers, including a cover of Dreams by Stevie Nicks. There are, this band did a lot of soundtrack work and there's a lot of covers. So if you, if you look through their like discogs page, you'll find them attached to a lot of uh, compilations, but yeah, I had so never listened to a full record. Had you? No, me neither. I, well, no, you know what? I did listen to the, um, the one they put out a couple of years ago. The Bra- oh, that EP. Yeah. Back to Christmas. Actually, back, back to Nebraska. Yeah. That's the one I probably listened to the most. Uh, but not in the 90s. I mean, I, I just knew them from the singles, probably some of that soundtrack stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. This album made it to number 188 on the Billboard 200 and number 11 on the Heat Seekers, whereas Aurora Gorealis made it to 123 and 3, respectively. What do we get comment-wise? 
Whitney Bueller said, it's hard for me to decide between Letters to Cleo and Quicksand, but Letters to Cleo is too catchy to ignore. Bill Davidson said, nothing I voted for made it to the final, but I'll vote for Letters to Cleo because I listened to their 1990s cassette sister when I was in college. That was what we were talking about. The compilation that later came out with a couple of uh, covers on it. I don't Did other people say... Uh, Oh, Jeff Genta said, I went with the Pale Saints for the sake of learning digging, though Letters to Cleo Fastway is exactly what I'm into. Justin Wexler said, stoked to finally get a Cleo album on the pot and possibly their best one. Vadim Tavers said, lots of great choices here. As much as I love the obscurity of my Pale Saints pick, it's going to be tough to outvote Quicksand and Letters to Cleo, both of which I'd love to hear episodes on. And uh, Joe Royland voted for Black Lab. Kyle Bittner voted for Matthew Goodband, even though he didn't pick that one. He actually went with Letters to Cleo, which won. He voted against his own pick, which ended up winning. I that's that sounds like like there's a fix on, like something's going on there. <laughs> I can't quite figure it out. Um, Willie Dillon said, uh, quicksand is my favorite out of these, so I'd probably like hearing about any of them other than Matthew Good. So Willie throwing some shade at uh at Matthew Good. I don't know, I don't know what that shade's about. Gavin said good. Yeah, he didn't like he's like anything but. Yeah. He's he has a controversial personal life. So maybe that's oh he does. Okay. Yeah. Um I'll let you I'll let you Google that. Uh, okay. We don't do controversy on here unless <laughs> it's about uh snare sounds. <laughs> Gavin said, not exactly over the moon with this outcome. None of my votes progressed. Let's have Trans Am just for something different. Perhaps the host can teach us how to delete the vocal track from a recording. Mm. I haven't listened to that record, so uh, it must be interesting. But here's what Kyle said when he submitted. Overlooked power pop album that rivals the likes of far more successful Hole and Veruca Salt. Well, isn't this nice timing? Because we just happened to talk about Hole very recently yeah. and we have done an episode on Veruca Salt it was a while ago but we did a sophomore slump revisited with eight arms to hold you way back when so now we're finally getting around to letters to Cleo so Jay why don't you tell me one thing you liked about wholesale meats and fish by letters to Cleo I love the um the big chunky riffs there's a lot of like cool guitar bends they, they use that that technique a couple times i think to great effect they kind of like wah, wah, kind of thing There's a bundle of songs here that have really good up-tempo energy. And then they're combining that with Kay Hanley's vocal, which is, it's interesting. It's kind of, um, 
it goes between being very innocent and sweet sounding and kind of clean and you know melodic to a little a little sharp a little snarky a little biting you know she brings some attitude to it as well so i think there's this really cool contrast where you know you got this big beefy rock production um very layered uh songs like demon rock is a good example uh fastway is another good example um really driving and pretty bombastic musically and then you've got her you know really carved out in this space in the sort of the mix where she just you know is able to sit in this space with with you know her super clean voice that is you know kind of pulling you in and being like a little bit of a contrast but as the band you know kind of wails she can bring up the intensity with it so i think that works really well too uh it's all held together with you know really good sense of pop melodies um and the production as well i hear a bit like here and there you can kind of hear some beatles stuff come through just in terms of like the way the melodies are work um even like the baseline and laudanum there's little hints here and there where you can kind of hear the the pop sensibility that they're coming from uh the way that the melodies are constructed you know what those are you know probably inspired from and the sort of the foundation of that uh, i like the also the pop elements they layer into the production so there's some synth in here that's really effective but subtle a song like fastway is a good example where when they get to that chorus they add it subtly underneath but it really gives it a big lift uh, which i think is super effective and then as they go into the verse you can kind of hear it uh still bringing out uh they add some organ and pizza cutter it's kind of gives it a heavier kind of vibe and then there's some songs that really just even go to the next level on the pop side and, and get a little jangly you know guitars are a little less harsh song like little little rosa or i could sleep i think are good examples of that too where you know maybe it gets in more of even a cardigan space where it's even sugarier um and less rock which i think works as well too and 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 that i think that through line is all this really solid you know kind of power pop songwriting and focus on melodies you know for the most part those songs that are that i mentioned you know they're held together with pretty straightforward songwriting focusing on trying to write good you know good strong choruses and um you know some good dynamics with the production and and how the band plays so that's what i thought worked what would you think worked yeah well i really like how unpretentious this record is this is just really good melodies big guitars i love the double bend stuff that happens like on demon rock and i think it happens again on he's got an answer i just love that stuff i know it's simple but it just adds that rock element it's so basic but when you do it well and it sounds good it doesn't sound brittle it sounds really beefy and mike Deneen produced this who i think he passed away a couple years ago but he produced a lot of 
um, Boston Records. Um, I think he was Jennifer Trinan's husband. Um, it's just got this simplicity to it in terms of just big uh, guitar tones. Some of them are are just thick, and then some of them are get like Fastway has like a a little bit of grit to it, like crunch that I like. And then the melodies that Kay Hanley brings on top, I think what makes it so much easier to pick out what she's doing and and to appreciate is because she has that higher tone. You know, it's like the opposite of of a lot of 90s singers that were singing like Eddie Vedder, where they were down like this. Right. And it kind of gets mashed up with everything else that's happening. But because she's up there, it's almost where like a lead guitar would be. Yep. And so like on on the stuff where she needs to, you know, pull back, she's got a great voice. So like, um, I think, is it Little Rosa that has like this almost like a 60s pop song sound to it. Like it's so catchy. You had told me like, oh, that was a Go Go's cover or something like that, or I would have believed you. But then she can also pull off the, you know, blazing fast like Demon Rock. Uh, she just doesn't have it. There's no like bad notes with her. Like right. everything sounds right on. It sounds exactly like what you want to hear. Like in terms of there's no, I don't miss anything. I'm not like, oh. And I don't know how she does it. I mean, maybe there's doubling going on. Like sometimes when I listen to singers, especially when they're pushed up in the mix, it sounds like it sounds thin. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I could use another vocal going on there, either a harmony or 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 an octave. She has like such a full voice that it doesn't need that doubling. Um, So I just listening to this was like such a blast of fresh air because it just sounds like a rock band having fun and playing these poppy, you know, three and a half, four minute long songs. And um, there's no, like, I don't know. There's, there's no element of it where I go, well, that sounds contrived. Like they were trying to fit into the, the sound of the time, you know, they're trying to, they're doing drop D cause that's what's the heaviness of, of that. Or, or there's, it just it sounds like it's this whole thing. It's its own thing. And what's weird is like there's elements of this. Like I mentioned, like little Rosa and I think Jennifer has some some kind of popping, like more traditional um power popish type sounds. 
um, where this band could easily have been in like the power pop end of things with Matthew Sweet and the power pop that rocks because there's the power pop that's like kind of like jangly and then there's the power pop that's like blazing like like a lot of what the posies did on frosting on the beater we had like Uh big guitar noise and stuff like that and this band like fits perfectly with that and i don't know that they actually were touring with those bands or or lumped in if at all with those bands i think they were kind of like out on their own because it was a weird time in terms of this is 1995. They already had a hit in 1990. What was it? Three with, uh, or, you know, here and now. So I, well, were, were we at a time too? where like, I feel like I had heard stories like labels still had the attitude of, of, well, we have already got one, you know, band with a, a one girl band or one band with a yes. girl singer. We can't have two, which led to this maybe, I felt like there was never more than one on the radio at a time as a result of that. So then when they would do touring, like they could never, until Lilith Fair happened, like they can never like get bands that sounded good together and kind of had the same aesthetic because of sometimes there was weird stuff like that going on in terms of how bands were signed and like for whatever arbitrary reasons. Right. And this was on Giant Records, which I don't oh. know if you remember that, but this was this was a new label. Yeah, it started in the 90s. Uh, it was under Warner Brothers and Irving Azoff um, started it. So they were, I mean, they were, you know, the first album was 93. So they were pretty early on. Um, the first release by Giant was an all star tribute song for Gulf War called Voices That Care. Oh, my. Like they, missed, this was missed that a, one. They signed MC Hammer. They had they released the New Jack City soundtrack. There was it was all over the place. They had Steely Dan on the roster, Warren Zevon, Oingo Boingo, Chicago, <laughs> Deep Purple, Morbid. Here you Angel, go again. You're just making names up. Morbid Angel and Brian Wilson on the same label. Think about that for a second. Man, they were so they were so 90s. They were just like anybody who has a name recognition, we're gonna sign them. Yeah. And this is what I think helped Letters to Cleo is that Irving Azoff is a big deal. They started a um film department. So they only ended up making one movie, but I'm I'm guessing that kind of helped them get into soundtracks because. Mm. Oh, because of the label. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had this was such a weird record label to be on. So I don't know. Like I feel like this should have been way bigger. And Awake is a really good single, I think. Demon Rock could have been a single. I don't think that was released as a single. Um, I don't know. So what didn't work for you on the record? There's some choruses here that I think are underwhelming, not amazing. Jennifer is a good example. Acid Jet is another example.
There's also a couple diversions where they get either slow or experimental that I think are maybe missteps or not in line with with what works for me on the record. So laudanum is a good example. It's just it's just a bit of a slog to get through. I don't I don't think she sounds great singing slow songs. Um, I think uh, I could sleep is a better, I think, place for for her voice to be, where it's still upbeat, but it's acoustic and strummy. I don't know. There's something about her delivery that just for me works a lot better when the tempo mm-hmm. is up a bit. Um, and then do what you want. It's kind of a cool sounding little album track, but yeah. I don't know. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't fit this band. Like should have been the hidden track. Yeah. Or like it could, it just doesn't sound like them. Like when I hear, listen to the songs that work and then I listen to that, I'm like, these don't have anything to do with each other. Right. Um, even though on its own, it's a, like I said, there's nothing. If you just played that for me, you're like, Oh, this is kind of cool. I, I maybe wouldn't even know who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just doesn't sound like a letters to Cleo song. So, you know, there's a handful of songs here that are, just not up to the standard of, of the others. Yep. Um, or just outliers that you know don't serve the record very well for me. What didn't work for you? Well, I agree with you. Uh, do what you want. Yeah, is just this weird. There's almost no lyrics to it. There's yep. like it should have been either the last song or or you know ten minutes after the last song, <laughs> something yeah. like that. I think so. I could sleep feels weird because it's this like almost like Lisa Loeb-esque song or jewel or something. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, wow, they could have taken this whole album in that direction if they wanted to, if they really wanted to shoot for like a radio album and single for sure. So I'm glad they didn't, but then it makes it in in terms of like where, what works the best on this record, it makes it sound weird because then you have this like sort of mellow pop song at the end of the record that doesn't really make sense in the in terms of the overall record when the stuff that works best for me is is demon rock fast way awake pizza cutter that those kind of songs um little rosa i wish i wish there was a little bit more of like the little rosa thing where it's not yeah it's just super catchy it doesn't have to be blazing yeah um and because her her voice works so well in that space. And I agree with you when it slows down, it's not her best area in terms of vocal ability, like on laudanum, if that's how you say it. So I think we have the same general issues with it. I'm, I'm forget I'm forgiving. I could sleep because I think the songwriting is on point. Like it matches just, you know, as a song and melody, the rest of the record i'm with you though that from a tone standpoint it's it's a bit odd in that it's so soft i mean it it could have been probably produced a little closer to little rosa like just amp up some of those guitars a bit and you know just give it a little jolt of energy little extra jolt of energy and it, it would have been more on that level and probably worked even better but i'm sort of giving a pass just because the songwriting is consistent with a lot of the others it's just kind of tuned down
are a couple spots where like he's got an answer i like that song but it's a slow tempo and i feel like there needed to be like more dynamics and i don't mean like loud soft dynamics i think that's one of the things that i would like to have heard with this band more is like some dynamic stops some you know start stop type stuff yeah um as opposed like the the loud chorus quiet verse they kind of use that a lot which was they they start with a lot of drum fills Mm -hmm. there's a there's a formula it's like and then you know you get the riff and then they drop the guitars out with bass and her vocal yeah Yeah. i'm with you the dynamic there I, i could i could take a song or two where it shook that up a bit more um there's also i don't know if it's that song trying to check my notes here there was a song where i think it's he's got the answer maybe she's just swallowed in the ver in the chorus it's one of the few songs that's like that but the guitars are so obnoxiously loud and she's just like off in the in another room it sounds like which didn't seem like a wise decision for them um yeah her voice should always be very present yeah and up in the mix uh i, I you know the, we, the, in the comments bands like hole and vruka salt came up i don't really think there's much of a comparison i think that's the wrong way to go is comparing to other female artists because hole is a whole other thing vruka salt kind of gets in there but yeah vruka salt to me is like a little bit more just like riff driven and yeah. it's all about those harmonies whereas like i said like this fits more with like like matthew sweet and the posies i think in a lot of ways uh, yeah this has than, nothing in common with hole no um, no not at all i could um, see yeah i'm with you i could see some of the vruka salt similarities um but different approach to songwriting it kind of makes me think of like I've checked out the muffs a little bit mm-hmm. and um, it's sort of like what I want the muffs to be when I hear stuff and I'm like, Oh, these are interesting songs, but I don't feel like they like are as good as I want them to be. Yeah. And then I hear this and I'm like, ah, this is what I want it. This is kind of more what I want out of a, uh, out of like a female fronted power pop pop rock band. Yeah. Um, this is a big, this is a big, uh, big production too. And this mm-hmm. record sounds big. There's a lot, a lot of layers, big guitar tones. Oh, the guitars Obviously, are huge. Stacy Jones is a great drummer. The drums sound great. It's mm-hmm. some cool, like ranges of bass tones too. Some fuzzy stuff. Some kind of Beatles tones on the bass. It's it's well produced. Yep. And I yeah, I think you could pick this up today and like still enjoy it like i don't know what paramore is doing right now but they just put a new record out did they, are, did they? yep this week i think it's kind of what, what i want paramore to sound like <laughs> well they do the start and stop dynamics that this band should should do right you blend the two together let's get into our where the can album I, can i mention one more thing that didn't oh work? yeah the album cover is awful. Oh yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it's such a bad '90s cover. Like, um, what are you doing with the hand grenade and like the ugly colors and gives you no indication of what this band is? I, the grenade could work, but like that background is just awful. And it's one of those things like 
it just doesn't help, you know, if you're trying to cut through and you're flipping through the record bins and you see this and you don't know who the band is. It's just, it's not helping you out. Right. And I get like, you don't want to put the band on the cover with like K up front and like create this whole tension thing. But like, there's a better cover for this record. Yeah. Like, the, like I said, the grenade with the type would have been fine. Get rid of that graffiti background thing. And I wonder if that's like a painting a or something that they use. It, it could very well be. But, uh, and when it's a thumbnail, you can't tell what it is. It just looks like throw up. <laughs> yeah. They're just really bad colors too. <laughs> it's like they don't work together. It's uh is is it Peter Max who worked in those big ugly colors? <laughs> That's not Peter, but I get what you're saying. Oh. It's like graffiti with yeah, lo-fi graphics. Yes. It's, it's, it's got rough. some clip art. It's got a clip art grenade on top of some graffiti. Uh sorry if this was actually done by like some famous artist and we don't know it because we're not educated enough, but what can I tell? You? What did Peter Max do? Didn't he work with like big colorful did, like, things? Yeah, but it was like psychedelic. Oh, okay. This is like grungy graffiti style. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Where do we land on this? Is it a worthy album, a better EP, or a decent single? What do you say? I am right on the edge here. I'm going to go with a worthy album. Um, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the 12 that I, that I really like a lot and uh, continue to grow on me. And the more I listen to the record, the other four are not terrible. They just muddy it for me. Uh, they kind of make the record feel a little bit uh, unremarkable in its whole, you know, if I'm just listening to it passively, the other four or five songs that I don't love, they're not skippers. They just give you the impression if you're just passively listening, like, you know, it's kind of average. But if you just focus on the songs that are really good, mm-hmm. I think it is really solid. So I'm going to say Worthy Album. Um, where are you at? Whew, I am right on that edge with you, too. But I, I'm at like seven. That's really close. I think I'm at a better EP because I'm going with tracks one, two, four, one, two, four, seven, That's... eight, n- nine, yep, eleven. Yep, I had the exact same, and I added. I have a, I could sleep as my extra song. So that's how I got to eight. That's funny. We have the exact same songs, and there's yeah. space. You know, the this, the weaker songs are like just sprinkled in there too so it's not like you can do like a first half second half no or... no it's not it's yeah it's <laughs> it's like every third or you know every third song is like mm. like i like the i like the organ in acid jed with that like swing and beat thing yeah yeah yeah. doesn't quite work for me with this band yeah three four is hard to pull off when you have big guitars yeah it it uh you get, you get locked in into the space and you can't get out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard yep. very few bands be able to write a really good three, four. It's seductive. Cause when you, when you start writing the riff and you get into the first part of it, you'd be like, Oh, this kind of feels cool. Let's go here. And then you're 
three minutes into it and you're like, we've been doing this for four yes. minutes. Like, wasn't it Kevin Martin from Candlebox that said he always writes at least one song in three, four? Like, it's just in his <laughs> DNA that every album has one three, four song. Uh, for those who don't know, three, four means you're, it has one less. One, two, three, one, two, three, as opposed to one, two, three, four, one, two, three. So it gives you that swing feel, which is very seductive because you're like, oh, this, <laughs> you can swing back when and a, forth. Yeah. When and, you're in a rock band, you're like, oh, this kind of feels cool. Like we're not just driving, you know, four on the floor here. We're, we're getting some, we're getting some swing and in, into the sound. And then right. you're stuck. And then the drummer is stuck out. in that beat. <laughs> right. Do, do, do. You know, he's, he's only got one fill for the whole song, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I guess I'm at an EP. I'm at a very, very strong EP of seven songs for wholesale meats and fish. There's no meat or fish on the cover, which seems strange, right? That's a huge mess. Like, have a guy at a deli counter, have a picture of a guy at a deli counter holding like a ribeye and uh, a filet and that's your wholesale meats and fish right well, there i mean why we're on the topic that's a pretty al- terrible album title too it actually yes <laughs> i mean compared to the aurora gorealis is okay a funny pun i guess go is fine back in nebraska i don't know what that means they're not from nebraska um but wholesale meats and fish ah that sounds that sounds like uh, if I was just knew nothing about this band and I was just looking at their catalog, I'd be like, oh, that's their experimental record. That's probably really weird and bad. Well, if you look at the cover with the grenade and, and yeah. the, the painting mm-hmm. and then that you're like, is this like a an L. Jorgensen side project? <laughs> right. Like, uh, I, I hope Kay doesn't hear this and, and <laughs> get mad. Hopefully she did not pick the album cover. But we asked, we're keeping it real, even when it comes down to uh, graphic design. That's, uh, we, we cover it all. So, it's a worthy album for Jay, a better EP for me. If you would like to vote on these records, just like our patrons did, help us pick our monthly uh, winner of our album poll. You can do so by joining us at digmeoutpodcast.com or DMO Union. Digmeoutunion.com or digmeout or DMOUnion.com. Digmeoutpodcast.com is where you go to suggest the record that will end up in the poll. There's hundreds, and we're whittling them down month by month. I can't wait to see what's up next month. It's already been generating tons of discussion, both on Patreon and in our Discord. Our Discord is exclusive to our patrons. It's where all the talk happens. It's where we, uh, what's been, what has been happening on the Discord recently, Jay? We, uh, well, the new uh, trailer for, <laughs> did you see? I don't know if you saw. There's a trailer for a movie coming out called Air. It's Ben Affleck directing. It's about when Michael Jordan signed to Nike. Okay. And they made the Air Jordans. And Ben Affleck is dressed like Phil Knight because that's who he plays. And Phil Knight dresses like a crazy person. So Phil Knight was like wearing track suits like me. Yeah. But then he's also got these horrific like 80s aviator <laughs> glasses. Uh, just looks fabulous. It looks like the perfect movie uh, for a dad to watch on TBS 
on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> oh boy. Like That's... Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, okay. Or uh, you know what I mean? Like it's one of yeah, those yeah, kind yeah. of movies where there's like there's like seven guys and are credited, and then it's like and Viola Davis. <laughs> That's it. Why not? We had one woman come in for a day and shoot a scene, but the rest of it is like it's like Matthew McC- or not Matthew, it's Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Chris Tucker, uh, and like a bunch of other people, Chris Messina, and it's just like dude, 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 and Viola Davis. Anyway, that's what happens over on the Discord. We talk about not just music but pop culture in general. The passing of the great Burke Bacharach, uh, that was talked about. His song catalog is absolutely insane people don't really recognize because he didn't sing everything people don't really recognize like how much he wrote for people it is crazy Mm. over like decade after decade after decade just pumping out hits for people he was he's got like a catalog that would would be i'm sure that diane warren is like jealous of how insanely big his catalog i mean she's written a ton of songs and his has to be like four times as big it's absolutely crazy Anywhere he did one of my favorite albums with Elvis Costello, which is called North, and it's a That's collaboration right. album. The song Toledo is like one of my favorite Elvis Costello songs. A lot of uh chatter on the new Depeche Mode. Yeah, I think we Discord. might have a review coming up of that single in our box newsletter. Yes, and I saw that Ian uh Ian got on it already. Yep. The box news- newsletter comes out every week with a calendar of new releases of movies, music, TV shows, books, relevant to 80s, 90s, and aughts music that we talk about on this show, plus two reviews of new releases, whether they're albums or EPs or singles or books, whatever. And sometimes our patrons contribute the reviews about music they're passionate about. So that's a lot of fun. And you can sign up for the Box Newsletter at digmeoutpodcast.com where you suggest an album and where you can join the union union strong. And lastly, Apple podcasts is where you go to leave feedback, preferably positive on this show. Preferably not a poop emoji. (laughs) We're not a, we're not a jet album from 2002 on pitchfork. (laughs) Oh no, that was, that was a, a gif of a monkey flinging its own poo into its mouth. That's what they, that's what the entire review was for. Jesus. Yeah. It's okay now because I've, you know, over the past couple of years, I've figured out the way they get around this is um, pitchfork and, and Rolling Stone, they do revised reviews now where they're like, Oh, that review that everybody disagrees with now. Oh, we're going to just change it to get back oh, in line with everybody's good graces. Fuck those guys. Seriously. They do reevaluations of their own reviews. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, hot takes is how you get clicks and stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Just, just be honest. Also, just have some respect for people putting the time and energy into making art. Like, yep. Well, if you like it, like, take the time to explain why. Well, in Chip's latest uh, interview that he did for us most recently uh, with Chad Clark of smart went crazy and, and beauty pill. You can hear what happens when, when pitchfork gave you a negative review in the early two thousands, as they did the beauty pill and pretty much sank uh, that band immediately. 
Uh, they did the same thing to Travis Morrison of the Dismemberment Plan. I remember he put out a solo record and they gave it a zero and it like his career ended that day. Like his tour was canceled. Oh, wow. He like went into like computer where he like left his music and just started making like working on computers. Good Lord. Yeah. So nice, nice job. Cause you know, we, we don't need more art in the world. We, we need more people like doing menial computer jobs. Exactly. We need more computer programmers and people <laughs> can write code. I mean, we do. Yes. But, but we also like would benefit from a little bit more creativity and, uh, and, and thoughtfulness, not just hot yeah. takes. Everybody, yeah. everybody's got a hot take. Give me a, a, a warm. I want, I want a, I don't want a hot take. I want a Franklin barbecue slow, <laughs> slow cooked. I want a brisket, smoked brisket. brisket. Give me a brisket take. That's we got to get that in the vernacular. You got your hot takes, and you got your brisket takes. I prefer my brisket takes uh, moist, juicy. Don't ever use the word moist again. Ever hey, on the show. hey man, you're in Texas. That's what you need to say when you want the Ugh. you want the good brisket. You got you got to know when you get up to the counter. You going moist or you going lean? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. You can't. You can't be muddled. Can't be muttering under your breath. You get booted. Thank you for. Thank you for that. You Explaining your, the etiquette of Texas your barbecue, barbecue etiquette now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but Jay, I'm Tim. We're out and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. <laughs>